in minds before the lesson this morning about the cost of discipleship, would you turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 9, where we'll hear from our Lord, Luke chapter 9, verses 23 through 24. Then Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I don't know about you, but every day I find myself following people. For example, I get out on the road and I'm driving someplace, almost inevitably I'm going to be behind a car and usually the car is not going the speed that I prefer. I'd like to choose my speed, but I have to go the speed and make adjustments based on how fast the car in front of me is going. If we were gonna go, you and I, someplace together, I would much prefer that you just give me the address and let me plug it into Google Maps so that I can find it on my own. I'd much prefer that as opposed to, why don't you say, well, why don't you follow me, John? I don't mind following, but it's a lot of work to follow, isn't it? It's difficult to follow. Followers, they, they have to pay attention to a leader and they have to spend their time and make constant adjustments based on where the leader's going and, and what the leader's doing. Always we have that trouble as followers. There was a college, is this making a lot of noise? I'm sorry. I'm going to do All right. This is what the AV room guys call preaching old school and we'll do it that way. That's fine. There was a college administrator who was reviewing applications from a number of, of, of applicants and one of the questions on the application was, are you a leader? And one of the students that was trying to get into the college said, well, no, I'm not a good leader, but I am a good follower. And that college administrator wrote a letter immediately and said, good, we need you because I've reviewed 800 applications today and out of those 800, 799 want to be leaders. You're the only one that said you're a good follower. There's something about following that is challenging, isn't there? And yet when we think about the Bible and what it says, and when we think about Jesus especially and who he is, the scripture says that Jesus came to make what we call disciples. And the word disciple, that's a religious word that, that's found in your Bible, but it just means a learner or a follower. That's all a disciple is. A disciple is somebody who pays attention to a leader. A disciple is somebody who looks at the leader and says, I'm going to be following that person. I'm going to emulate that person. I'm going to go where that person goes. That's what a disciple does. And if you'll notice in your, in your gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, at the beginning of his ministry, Jesus called disciples. That was one of the first things he did. As he began to preach, he would go and find Peter and Andrew and James and John and others, and he would say, follow me. And sometimes he would say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Mark chapter one, verses 16 through 20. 
And then at the end of his earthly ministry, after he had been crucified, before he ascended back to his father's right hand, Jesus sent his apostles and he said, go and make disciples of all the nations. So Jesus began his ministry by saying to certain people, follow me. And he ended his ministry here on earth by saying, go and make disciples, make more followers. And friends, what Jesus wants from you this morning is for you to be his follower. He wants you to be one of his disciples. But as we've already alluded to, following is not an easy thing to do. It comes at a cost. It always costs you something to follow. It means that we do have to make adjustments. It means that we do have to change what we're doing so that we can adjust to the model and the example that we see before us. And therefore, as you look at Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, and please open your Bibles there if you haven't already this morning. In Luke 9 verse 23, one of the most famous invitations ever offered, following Jesus involves a cost. And that's what he wants you to understand that you cannot properly follow Jesus Christ. You can't properly obey him and be his disciple unless you're committed to paying the cost. Salvation, it has been said, is free, but it is not cheap. What does salvation cost? It costs everything. It means that we must give up ourselves, we must give up our own will so that we can do the will of someone else. It means that we must say no to ourselves so that we can say yes to someone else. And when you look at Luke 9, 23, that's exactly what the Lord tells us. Read with me together, Luke 9, verse 23. Jesus said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. As we look at that particular challenge, let's notice this morning some of the components of that challenge because it's relevant to every single one of us in this room. Maybe you've been following Jesus with your life for a long time already, but it's kind of like being behind a car that just doesn't go the speed you wanna go. Following Jesus means you're constantly having to say no to yourself and yes to what this person in front of you is doing. All of us who've been disciples for a while, we still have to make those adjustments in our lives. And maybe you're just thinking about this. Maybe you haven't decided to follow Jesus. Maybe it's something that you've been looking at and you're kind of curious about what this involves. I want to say this this morning. Following Jesus is not like just going down to the store and buying something that's convenient. We live in a consumer-driven, a consumer-oriented culture, and when we pay a cost, we expect to receive in return. And well, that just seems like a high cost to pay, someone might say. Following Jesus means that for the rest of our lives, we're saying no to ourselves and we're saying yes to him. It costs us everything. Think about the cost of discipleship with me this morning. As you're looking at Luke 9, verse 23, just notice the very first word there in red in your Bible. It's the word if. And I want to notice, first of all, that discipleship is conditional. If anyone would come after me, he says, it's conditional. And by conditional, what we mean is it is a choice that can be made. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua 24 verse 15. It is a choice, and it's a choice that you can make right now this morning. You can decide to follow Jesus. You can decide to look at his example and to put him as your leader in your life and make him the Lord and make him the example that you're following. 
And on the other hand, to refuse to choose is still to make a choice because everybody has to answer the question, what will we do with Jesus? You know, sometimes people say, well, I, I just really don't have a choice. I don't have a decision that I can make in this case. My hands are bound. My hands are tied. I just, I can't make this decision. This is a decision that we can make. This is one that God always allows us to have the opportunity to choose. It can happen regardless of our upbringing. People may look at their parents. They may look at their home life when they were growing up and say, I'm just the way I am because of the way I was raised, because of the way I was brought up. You can still choose to follow Jesus. There are a lot of disciples of Christ that came from some pretty terrible home backgrounds, some pretty difficult and challenging circumstances. And on the other hand, there are a lot of people in this world that have chosen not to follow Jesus that were brought up in homes where he was modeled and emulated. It's a choice that every one of us has to make and nobody can make that choice for you. You can make that choice regardless of your education. I want you to think about this. Following Jesus is really pretty simple. To follow somebody, all you have to do is keep your eyes on them and stay behind them. That's really all it involves. It doesn't take a PhD to be able to do that. Regardless of how much or how little we've been educated, we can make the choice that we're going to follow him. If anyone, he says, would come after me, even those whose education, they may say, well, I just, I just don't feel like I'm well-educated enough. You can choose to follow him. Regardless of your heritage, no matter who your parents or ancestors are, no matter what your, your um, nationality or your uh, ethnicity, any of those things, all of us can choose to follow Jesus. And he invites all of us to come to him, to follow him. There is unity to be found in Jesus Christ. In fact, only in Jesus Christ can true unity that's created by God be found. The scripture speaks of the unity of the spirit, which the spirit has created. We are to keep that in the bond of peace. Ephesians chapter four and verse three. You can choose to follow Jesus even regardless of what you've done in your past. A lot of times we'll come across people that say, I want to follow Jesus and I'm thinking about, I see the benefits that, that he offers and the blessings that he provides, but I will not follow him because I just feel like I've done too much too many things that are just too terrible. And if I told you what those things are, you'd agree with me. I just, I, I'm not good enough to follow Jesus. I want you to listen. Following Jesus is not about being good enough. Following Jesus is about putting your trust in him that he is willing and able to forgive sins. If we'll just trust him and follow him, he promises the blessings of hope and eternal life. It's not about being good enough. Nobody's good enough. We need to listen to his word and realize that all of us sin and fall short of his glory. Romans 3 verse 23. Regardless of what we've done in our past, hope and salvation can be found if we'll make the choice to follow him. Look again at Luke 9 verse 23 and notice secondly, it is universal. Anyone. If anyone would come after me, it is open to anyone. And I want you to think about some of the people who need to come and follow Jesus by his own words, by his own statements. Immoral people need to follow Jesus. You know, some people are living lives and maybe some people that I'm talking to this morning and you know what you're doing is wrong. You know the way you're living is wrong. You know this is not God's will. Jesus says to you, follow me. 
Stop living that way. Stop making those choices. Quit those decisions and turn your life over to me and follow me. Put your eyes on me and walk behind me. That's what he says to immoral people. Luke 15, 1 and 2. He eats and he loves with sinners and tax collectors, the Bible teaches. Religious people. There are people who put their trust in the fact that they come to church and that they worship God, that they sing the right songs and they pray the right prayers. And yet still, Jesus says, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. A lot of people want just enough of God to make them feel like they're okay without ever really sincerely following after Jesus. And when we talk about following after Jesus, it has to do with the way we treat our spouses at home. And it has to do with the way that we treat our coworkers. And it has to do with the kind of example we set before our friends. It has to do with looking at him and thinking, what would he do if he were living my life? If he were the one that was in my shoes? Even religious people need to follow Jesus. Wealthy people need to follow Jesus. Mark 10, 21, a young man who had a lot of money said, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, go and sell all that you have and you will have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Wealthy people. Not only do wealthy people need to follow Jesus, but marginalized people. Those that are outcasts, those that have been set to the side in our society. This has always been the case throughout the ages, but marginalized people. Jesus says, come unto me, come follow me, but we must say no to self so that we can say yes to him. Anyone can come to him. Reluctant people. The apostle Paul preached a sermon about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come in Acts 24 verse 25. Some more convenient day, I'll call upon you, the man who Paul was preaching to said, and there are a lot of people who say, you know, I'm going to get my act together one of these days. One of these days, I'm finally going to make the decision to follow Jesus. I know what it, what it costs and I know what it means, but it's not time for me just yet. Stop being reluctant. Jesus says, follow me. Stop waiting and dithering and wondering when's going to be the time. Follow me. Reluctant people. Who needs to come to Jesus? Good people. Luke 9, or excuse me, Luke 5, verses 27 and 28. Good people need to come to him. We're not going to be saved, friends, just because we're good moral people, just because we're kind to our neighbors, and just because we are uh, kind to our coworkers. That's not what saves us. What can wash away our sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of Jesus that has paid the price for our sin. It's the blood of Jesus that has purchased the church. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, Acts 20 and verse 28. And only the blood of Jesus can save you from your sin, no matter how good a person you are. Good people need to get behind Jesus and follow him. The invitation is conditional if, and it is universal, anyone. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says. Have you listened to the invitation that Jesus has given to you? It's universal for all of us. Third, as you look at Luke 9, verse 23, the next phrase, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. The invitation, friends, is personal. It's not just a broad invitation to the whole world. Whoever wants to come, it's personal. It has to do with you and it has to do with me. The word deny 
What does that mean to deny oneself? The word deny means to say no to. The word deny means to refuse something. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, the Bible speaks of Moses, who when he was growing up, had all the privileges of being royalty in Egypt. And there came a time in Moses' life where the Bible says there in Hebrews 11, that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, so that he could suffer reproach with the people of God. He said no to the privileges and the life that he had been afforded so that he could be counted among the faithful, those who obey and are in a covenant relationship with God. That's what denying oneself has to do with. It's saying no to some things. And specifically, there are two areas in which all of us are going to struggle with denial, self-denial. Area number one is denying our sinful self. There are a lot of things that are before our eyes, that are in our minds and our imaginations. There are a lot of things that it just feels good to do. Getting angry and just exploding on somebody feels good for a little while. Thinking about some of the, the, the ways in which we, we uh, puff ourselves up, feels good to puff myself up and get recognition from others. To deny ourselves means that we say no to those things. I deny my sinful self. 1 Peter 2 verses 11 and 12 speaks of how we as Christians are to put away lusts. We're not to, we're not to give ourselves over to pleasures which lust against their war against the soul. We need as Christians to think about denying our sinful selves, the habits that we have in our lives, the choices that we make that we know are wrong. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you got to say no to those things. But not only that, maybe you haven't thought about this one as much. We also are to deny our righteous self. And I've got that in quotes, air quotes, if you will, our righteous selves. Because there are a lot of people that feel like and act like in their lives that they've, I've got my act all together. And I really don't need Jesus anymore. Sure, he washed me from my sin when I was baptized. Sure, I was cleansed when the blood of Jesus was applied to me when I obeyed him in baptism. But I'm good now. I don't need him anymore. And we become like the Pharisee that stood up and prayed, Lord, I'm thankful I'm not like other people. Remember? And Jesus said there was someone else, a tax collector, who just smote his breast and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, we must say no to our self-righteousness, our righteous self, if you will. It is through Jesus that we find salvation and only through him. And denying ourself means that we constantly acknowledge, because we're poor in spirit, Matthew 5, verse 3, it means that we constantly acknowledge, I need God in my life. I need him today. I need him tomorrow. I need him as many days as he will allow me to live. I need Jesus Christ in my life because I can't make it without him. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he said. John chapter 15 and verse 5. Denying ourselves, saying no to ourselves. I'm going to say no to sin, but I'm also going to say no to thinking more highly of myself than I ought to think. Romans 12 and verse 3. And in case you've missed the point, if you don't hear anything else about this lesson, hear this. You cannot say yes to Jesus without saying no to something else. Can't do it. You can't say yes to him without saying no to something else. And that something else is yourself. 
your sinful self and your self-righteous self. You know, it's a challenge to follow. Just like getting out on the road and trying to follow somebody, again, you're always making these adjustments. You gotta say no to yourself. I wanna go a different speed. I wanna go a different way. I think I know a better, shouldn't we get, be in this lane and not that lane? We always feel like we've got a better way to do things. Saying yes to Jesus means we say no to all those things in our lives. That's what discipleship is about. And that's why Jesus describes it as being costly. You can't say yes to him without saying no to something else. Incidentally, this is free and it will not add to the cost of the sermon. Parents and families, I want you to listen to me for just a moment. There are some things that parents choose for their kids that they say yes to, and I want you to hear me. You cannot say yes to anything in the way we're raising our kids and the activities they're involved in without saying no to other things. And when it comes to the way we're raising our kids, parents need to prayerfully and biblically think about what we're saying yes to. What are we affirming? This is what we're gonna be a part of because when we do that, what is the cost that comes with this? It's an, it's an appropriate question for parents to ask and to answer. When we say yes to this, what must we say no to as a result? By the way, that also goes for busy families and empty nesters and all the rest of us. Whatever we say yes to, there is a cost associated with it. And Jesus is saying, Following me, it's like that, except this costs you everything. It costs you everything. You must say no constantly to yourself so that you can stay behind me and follow me and learn from me and be patient with me and follow my example. That's what he's challenging us to do. Next, as you look at Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross. Discipleship, friends, is painful. What are you trying to sell us? I mean, what are you trying to say to us here, Brother John? Jesus is the one that's saying these things. And he wants you to know that discipleship, being a Christian, this is about coming to him and taking up an implement of death and following him because you know where he went? He went to his death for obedience to God. And you take up your cross and you follow me. Cross. He's not talking about two sticks of wood that are nailed together for you and me. This is a metaphor. But what is a cross? Have you ever stopped to ask that question? You know, sometimes in our language, we have phrases like, well, that's just my cross to bear. And usually what we mean is, well, there's, there's something that's kind of annoying or kind of difficult. It's just my cross to bear. Or maybe a person that's kind of difficult to get along with. Well, they're just my cross to bear. And we use that phrase that way. But what does Jesus mean? What's he telling you to pick up? What's he telling me to pick up and, and carry with me as I follow him? A cross is something that a, it's a, it's a burden and a difficulty that I will gladly accept. That's what a cross is. It's any burden, it's any difficulty that I will gladly accept because I want to follow Jesus. And different people, because of the circumstances in their lives, will have different kinds of crosses. The cross looks different for different people, I guess is what I'm saying. Some people are going to suffer and they're going to have to carry a cross because of their association with Jesus. Maybe you don't suffer that way as much, but some other people really will. 
In John 12, 42 and 43, there were some people who believed in Jesus, the Bible says, but they would not confess him because if they confessed that they believed in Jesus, they would be cast out of the synagogue. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, that's your cross. That's the burden you have to bear. You have to accept being ostracized. You have to be accept, accept being cast out. If that's what you want to do, if you want to associate with me, if you want to belong to me. Remember when Jesus was on trial and they kept saying to Peter, you were with him, weren't you? You were one of his disciples. And Peter wouldn't be associated with Jesus. No, I don't know the man. I don't know who he is. Over and over, Peter kept saying that, swore that he didn't know the Lord. He would not be associated. Carrying a cross means that especially when it's challenging and difficult, that I don't deny my Lord. Association with Jesus, it's carrying a cross. But not only that, it has to do with obedience to Jesus. What does it look like to obey Jesus Christ? I've referenced this passage already, but turn in your Bibles for just a moment to 1 Peter 4, and I want you to look at verses two through four. 1 Peter chapter four, verses two through four, and look at the scripture. The Bible is talking about people who have become Christians and the change that's taken place because they are obedient to Jesus Christ. He has given us laws and commands that he wants us to keep. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, verse 15. But Jesus says, or excuse me, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, looking at verse 2, that we should no longer live the rest of this time in our flesh for the lusts of men, but rather for the will of God. So 1 Peter 4, 2 is telling us that what we're doing with our lives now as Christians is we're following Jesus. I'm living for the will of God. Every, do, every, every time I follow Jesus, I'm doing God's will. Now watch this in verse 3, 1 Peter 4. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness and lusts and drunkenness and revelries and drinking parties and abominable idolatries. In regard to these, verse four, they, those outsiders, those Gentiles, think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. He's talking about carrying a cross. You say no to those sinful passions, those sinful desires, those sinful activities. You say no to those things and people will think you're strange and they'll speak evil of you as a result. That is what it means to take up your cross. That's what it means to follow Jesus. It means that there are things that I cannot partake in and I cannot be a part of and I refuse to be a part of because I'm obeying my master. I'm keeping my eyes on the leader and I'm following him. I want to obey his voice, his will. I have decided to follow Jesus and though none go with me, I still will follow him. That's the song we sing and it's easy to sing and it's hard, I'm telling you, to live it. It's hard to live that way because the world is constantly trying to pressure us and squeeze us and say, don't you wanna do what we're doing? Don't you wanna act like we're acting? It's hard at work to say no when the company is putting on some kind of program and you're challenged because you know that some of the things that are taking place are sinful and wrong. It's hard to say no. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Obey my voice, associate with me, be my child, my disciple, my follower. Imitation of Jesus is tough. I wanna act like him, I want to follow his example. First Peter 2, 20 and 21. You can just flip back there in your Bible since you're already in First Peter. First Peter 2, verses 20 and 21, listen to what he's talking about. 
What credit is it, he says, if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. There are gonna be people that mistreat us and all we're trying to do is the right thing. All we're trying to do is a good thing. All we're trying to do is glorify God and help people and love our neighbor as ourselves. And there are gonna be people that will abuse and mistreat. The Bible says, imitate Jesus. Take up your cross and follow me. It's a cross to bear. What about proclamation of Jesus? What about telling somebody the good news? Telling somebody the old, old story about Jesus and how he died for us and how he is the sovereign Lord and how he has challenged us to come to him proclaiming Jesus Christ. That'll get you into some trouble sometimes. In Acts chapter five, they were proclaiming, preaching Jesus in the temple and the apostles were arrested. And they were beaten. And the Bible says in Acts 5.41, they rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And so back to Luke 9.23, when Jesus says to you, when he says to me, take up your cross and follow me, it has to do with those four items on the screen. It has to do with being associated and willing to be associated with Jesus it has to do with obeying his voice. It has to do with imitating him because he's the leader, remember, and we're following behind him. And it has to do with proclaiming and talking to people about him. Go home to your friends and tell them what great things your Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. Proclaiming Jesus. It's a cross sometimes because there will be pain and there will be suffering and there will be difficulty as a result of living this way. The Lord pulls no punches and makes no bones about it. Next, back to Luke 9, verse 23. Discipleship, brothers and sisters, is perpetual. It is not something that you can just pick up and then put down and then pick up again when it's convenient. Discipleship is a daily coming to Jesus and following him. Every single day. We do not take vacations from discipleship. This will not add anything to the cost of the sermon. <clears throat> When we go on vacation, when we plan family vacations, does discipleship take a back seat? Does following Jesus all of a sudden go out the window? Assembling with the people of God, for example, on the Lord's day, is that something that we give priority to? Thinking about what it means to live as a New Testament Christian, well, we're on vacation, you know, and we ought to live a little sometimes. Are you really trying to follow Jesus? Because it is taking up our cross daily that Jesus says involves following him. Take up your cross daily. It's interesting that Luke 9, 23 is the only one that uses that word daily, but that word is mighty important. It means that discipleship is not just when I feel like it. It's not just when I, it's convenient for me. Discipleship following Jesus is something that you are willing to do every single day of your life, regardless of the situation you find yourself in. Some of you travel quite a bit for work. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. You don't stop being a disciple of Jesus just because you're in a hotel room in some faraway place. And just because you're not accountable to anybody, just because you're in a place where, you know, there's, there's nobody that's, that's watching over you, you don't stop being a disciple in those situations. As a matter of fact, you may never prove that you're a disciple more than the way you handle yourself in those situations. 
when I'm away from my family, when I'm away from home and nobody sees and nobody knows, that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus as well. It means that I follow him daily, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing and no matter who else knows or doesn't know. Follow me daily. This is a perpetual type of life. It's putting your eyes on Jesus and saying, I'm gonna do his will regardless. The apostle Paul wrote it this way, with the same basic thought in mind. He said, I die daily, 1 Corinthians 15, 31. I guess if you could resurrect Paul and have him stand right here on the stage, he would say, the way I'm living my life, every single day that I live, there is something that I have to say no to. There's something about myself and my desires that I have to refuse so that I can know him, but that's all I really want. That's all I'm really after, I die daily. Not only that, you think about those noble Bereans examining the scriptures daily to see whether what they were hearing was actually so, Acts 17, verse 11. There's something about the daily listening to the will of Jesus Christ as revealed in his word that's important. How long are we to follow Jesus? We're to follow him until Christ is formed in you. Galatians 4, 19. There is a constant fashioning and molding that takes place. There's a constant direction that takes place in our lives and we never become fully like Jesus. None of us does. None of us becomes everything that God would have us to be while we're in this world. And that's why Peter concludes the book of 2 Peter by saying, grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3 and verse 18. No matter where you are, no matter who you're with, no matter what's going on in your life, if you want to follow me, Jesus says, take up your cross daily. It's perpetual. And finally this morning, it's practical. Follow me. You know, in those two words, follow me, there's a, there's a lot of practicality. There's a lot, lot to do. There's a lifetime of challenge in those two words, follow me. And it's not complicated. I'm telling you, you don't have to have a master's degree or a PhD. You don't have to have any kind of degree to do this. All you gotta do is put your eyes on the leader and go where he goes and do what he does and do what he says to do. That's all you gotta do, just follow. But again, it's like being on the road. I don't like to follow people. They don't always go the speed I like. They don't always drive in the lane I think they ought to drive in. But it's practical, follow me. I want you to notice this. Luke twenty-two fifty-four. they seized Jesus and led him away, bringing him into the high priest's house. And Peter was following at a distance. I wonder if there are some people listening to me this morning that have been following Jesus at a distance for a while. I wonder if there are some people listening to what I'm saying this morning that they know, you know, that the kind of disciple that you are is not what Jesus is talking about right here. I'm following him at a distance. I want to keep my distance. Don't want to be too close to him. I don't want to, I don't want to be associated with him. That was Peter's problem. I don't want to pay the cost, pay the price of, of being one of his disciples. Don't follow Jesus to the distance. This is practical. This is real. This is how we are to live our lives. And watch what the scripture says. Practically, following Jesus involves two things. Number one, it involves obeying the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
go and make disciples of all the nations, Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 19 tells us that becoming a disciple is, a, is about listening to who Jesus is and then making the decision to be baptized because that's how a disciple is made. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. In Acts 2.38, on the day of Pentecost, the first time the gospel is preached in its fullness, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus with its implications for people's lives, they asked, men and brethren, what shall we do? And the answer was, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. How do we make disciples? We make disciples by baptizing people, having taught them the gospel. In 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 8, Jesus is going to return at the end of time and he's going to take vengeance on those who do not obey the gospel of Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. So following him is about obedience to the gospel. It's about doing what we know God says is part of becoming part of this covenant with him. But secondly, it's about observing the commandments of Christ. Matthew 28 verse 20 teaching them to observe all things. One of the reasons, not the only reason why we gather on the first day of the week is because we want to hear from God's word and because we all need to be reminded, we all need to be taught to observe all things that God has commanded us. And we don't do this because we're trying to make up the difference to God or we're trying to pay him back somehow for what he's done for us. We do this because this is what disciples do. Disciples go back to the instruction book, they go back to the manual, they go back and they put their eyes on Jesus and they put their eyes on his, his laws and his commandments and they say, what does it mean to follow Jesus today? What does it look like? That's what disciples do. And so the Bible says in Acts 2.42, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that early church did. They continued meeting together and they continued listening to the doctrine that was coming from God through the apostles because they knew this is how I follow Jesus. I wanna keep my eyes on him and I wanna stay behind him. And whether he goes fast or whether he goes slow and whether he turns left or turns right, I'm gonna go where he goes and I'm gonna do what he does. It's not complicated, but it's hard. It's painful, it's challenging. If you were put on trial this morning for being a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, real question, if we could go back over the last week or month of your life, what evidence is there in your life? Where is the evidence that you are willing to pick up your cross and follow him? And maybe you're thinking about, you know, I, I'd kind of like to think about becoming a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. Understand. The gospel is good news. There are blessings to be found in Jesus Christ, but discipleship means that we are willing to come and die, to say no to ourselves, to say no to our wills, and to make Jesus the Lord and master and authority of our lives. That's the great cost of discipleship. It's been well said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And I'll tell you this this morning, you are no fool when you give what you cannot keep, your life, in order to gain what you cannot lose, salvation in Christ and eternal life. 
And if we can help you to obey the gospel this morning, or if you are in need of prayers, you need in, the, in need of uh, the congregation's concerns and prayers, whatever your need is, won't you make your way forward down the aisle while together we stand and while we sing tonight?